Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. It's T Frank, and today on the BWI Daily Edition, we're getting to some big news from Penn State football this week. We're also going to take a look ahead at Maryland and something that I know a lot of people have been asking about. We are going to talk wrestling. And the guy to do all of those things, plus, even I'm going to sprinkle in a little recruiting, like a little bit of flavor on top with Greg Pickle. Here's that's coming up today on the BWI Daily Edition. Welcome to the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. That is the aforementioned Greg Pickle. Greg, how you doing today? It's been a while since we've had you on the show. I know, T. Frank. It's good to be back on with you as we hit the early part of November. It's hard to believe that it was not that long, not long ago, or at least it doesn't feel that long ago, that we were sitting here in, I don't know, July or August talking about the season ahead. And now we are just about to the finish line. So the season has certainly flown by, but I think Penn State fans are cautiously optimistic that a 10-win season is on the horizon. I think the odds makers certainly agree with that. Yeah, we'll get into the next leg of that, uh, talking about Maryland today. we got a bunch of other things coming up, but the biggest news coming out of yesterday's James Franklin press conference was the fact that uh, Landon Tangwall, left guard for the Nittany Lions, is officially done for the season. Uh, what are your thoughts on that situation? 
Yeah, so I mean, obviously, T. Frank, I think we all knew something was up when he warmed up briefly at Michigan and then kind of disappeared for the portion of warm-ups where if you're at Beaver Stadium early enough, you would uh, you know, see the kind of starting lineup, so to speak, go through drills right before the end of warm-ups, and he was nowhere to be found. And then when he came back out, he was on the sideline still in his pads, T. Frank, but all of his teammates were going over to congratulate him and – or not congratulate him, rather, but console him and kind of just give him a pat on the back and tell him everything was going to be okay so afterwards James Franklin commenting that he was hurt but no other details of course and then we've seen him in nothing but sweatsuits and his uh, letterman jacket for the last couple of weeks now so not terribly surprising news I don't think just based on how we've seen things over the last few weeks but certainly a situation Penn State didn't want to find itself in and I think if you're looking for a silver lining and they're hard to find when anytime a player gets hurt and of course we hope the best for him uh, on the recovery path T Frank but I think the silver lining here is Find me another year in the James Franklin era where you could lose a starting right guard. Or I'm sorry, starting left guard, rather, yeah. and still feel okay about where things are. There's not too many, if any, examples from the past of this being the case. So I think if you're a Penn State fan, you should feel good at least about the fact that the depth along the offensive line, while still not where everyone probably wants it to be, has certainly improved compared to years past. And it came at a time, I think, in the schedule specifically, <clears throat> excuse me, where um, <laughs> playing Indiana that does not have a pass rush and playing Maryland that has not exhibited a strong pass rush so far this season, it does kind of land at the right time, especially considering Olafishanu also got injured recently. What are your thoughts just generally then on the offensive line and how they've been able to weather this storm? And, you know, I know a big talking point this week has been Phil Troutwine. What are your thoughts on, on that whole conversation? <laughs> You know, again, I think he's probably taken more flack than any Penn State assistant coach in a few years. I mean, this group, this has brought in a number of high, highly regarded recruits, but it maybe didn't take the step forward that everybody wanted it to. We sat, I opened the show by mentioning what we were talking about in July and August. The offensive line was yet again one of those topics. Yep. And so we're talking about it, though, in November, I think, in a different light than we would have in years past. And you're right. The opponents are part of this. I mean, again, Penn State is facing a pretty favorable portion of its schedule to have this happen obviously I don't know if things would have went with we know how things went without Tangwall at Michigan and you know if that game was played again today with the current offensive line however it shakes out on Saturday I don't know if the results would be much better uh, but you know ultimately you can only do what you can with who you have and who you face and Penn State passed the first challenge uh, against Indiana now we'll see what they do against Maryland but yeah I think Troutwine's done a nice job James Franklin has endlessly mentioned Frank Leonard who the GA they brought in this offseason is somebody that's been a sounding board in that offensive line room we don't know his impact specifically but I don't think you can deny that he's made one so I think he's deserved the shout out as well he's a guy that seems to work well with Troutwine and vice versa so they've taken a strong step forward but it's an, it's always in college football, T. Frank A., what have you done for me lately game? So if yeah. Penn State's offensive line, <clears throat> regardless of if Olu Fashanu is back and regardless of if Caden Wallace is back, you know, if they don't weather the storm well, and there could be a storm, of course, on Saturday with that tropical storm coming this way, hopefully not. But, you know, if they don't weather the storm, if Maryland can devise some things that trips them up with stunts and overload blitzes and things like yeah. that, then we're going to be having a much different conversation this time next week. But so far, so good. Yeah, and that's the thing with film. So one week you 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 do you debut something new and then the next week teams have picked it apart and found you know maybe some of the weaknesses in what you've done. So this is going to be an interesting continual process. I mentioned Maryland doesn't have a great pass rush. That doesn't mean they don't have guys that can't win if they're given the opportunity. Right. Uh, but part of this conversation about the offensive line deals with depth. And as you know, we talked 
kind of on the outskirts about that part. Penn State's able to put in true freshman Drew Shelton in that left tackle position and and get through a game and, and play well against Indiana. J.B. Nelson, a part of that conversation. And then, of course, Hunter Norzad making an announcement uh, this week for people who didn't see it. Fill them in on what he had to say and what you think the impact of that decision is. Yeah, so he's coming back in 2023 as an extra year to use, obviously. And our Nate Bauer, if you're a subscriber at Blue White Illustrated, was, I'll, I'll let you give the plug here in a second, T. Frank. But he had hinted at this a, a little while ago that this was a possibility just based on the number situation and, of course, his goals and aspirations and the fact that he had a year left, that it was not out of the question that he would come back for another season. And from the sounds of it, he had conversations with his family, with James Franklin. And unlike some guys, he just didn't want to go to a pre press conference or didn't want to have to – talk with people outside of the walls of the Lash building and I don't want to say lie to him, but mislead him because they didn't want to make the announcement until after the season. He just wanted to get it off his plate. James Franklin thought that was the right idea too. And so that's what led to a 6.25 a.m. announcement on Tuesday, on November 8th, uh, that he was coming back for another season at Penn State. So it's a big deal. Again, I mean, yeah. you can never, as we're seeing right now, you can never have enough quality offensive line depth. And we don't know what's going to happen with some of these guys on the line. As everyone knows, it's not out of the question that every starter could be back next year, but that's far from a guarantee. And so the more depth you can build, the better. Uh, he can play guard. He can play center. He's never going to be able to slide out the tackle at this level, but he has multi-position flexibility. And as we've seen with Bryce Hefner this year, you never know when that's going to come into play. Yeah, and it's it you start at this point kind of building for the future. If you have Fashanu back, if great. If not, you still have some quality players at that left tackle position with Drew Shelton. I mean, you could potentially have uh, a healthy Landon Tangwall, who James Franklin mentioned had surgery. I think that's the right decision, you know, and we'll kind of recap some of this later. But then Hunter Norris at its center, Vega Iwane, maybe Salim Wormley at uh, right guard. And then, you know, the options at right tackle sound positive. And you can even have a, a freshman uh, competing there with some of the players that Penn State has in the class of 2023. So, Lots of bright stuff on the future in the future for Penn State football. Um, do you think that given all of that, they're still in the position where uh, they're in the head in the right trajectory that they can sustain this depth, you know, going forward, considering Fashano feels like a guy that is pretty certain or it, it feels like there's a strong chance he's going to the NFL after this college football season. Yeah, so obviously if that happens, which we'll have to wait and see, but losing him would be a blow without question. But, you know, ask me once the transfer portal activity starts, and I hate to make that a cop-out answer, but, you know, again, it's no different than any other position. You can go from having good numbers there to all of a sudden some guys that are further down the depth chart feel like they can play somewhere else, be it a lower level or otherwise, or maybe they just don't want to keep going with the grind of football. And I'm not saying any of those guys in that Penn State offensive line room are thinking that way right now, but just look at how long some of them have been here without making an impact and you wouldn't wouldn't no one's going to be shocked if there's some movement in that room so you could go from a situation where you feel really good about your numbers to one where you're back into an iffy uh proposition again and if you don't hit the portal and get some guys that could remain into spring practice and then summer camp so you know it's hard it, it's really challenging i don't envy the coaches and the people that manage the rosters because you just don't know. I mean, you can get a good feel for your room and you can have an idea of what guys are thinking and all that kind of stuff. But you just don't know until they make that decision that some of them will make it early. Some of them may have already made it. Now, we've seen across the country where, 
you know, Jack Tuttle, great example. He's already in the plans to leave, but he stayed yeah. to play. And it's a good thing he did because Indiana needs him right now. But, you know, there could be guys in this Penn State program. In fact, the, the law of averages says that there are that have their mind made up. They're going to stick it out and help this team this season, but then they're leaving. So, you know, it's hard to, I think, more now more than ever, assess the future health of a roster because you just don't know what's going to happen when those portal windows open up. But I would say at this second in time, yeah, they're on the right trajectory, but it can change in a hurry. Yeah, uh, back to Tangwall. I think that's going to be like getting an additional starter back next season mm -hmm. or getting an additional recruit because what I saw from him this year was not the same football player. So whatever was going on, hopefully he gets it corrected. Gets it corrected now so that he can go through an offseason of rebuilding his strength and rebuilding whatever it is that uh, was, was wrong. Right. That is a huge thing because part of the conversation about this offensive line this year was talking about possibly some higher highs with that left side of the offensive line having so much talent. And unfortunately, you know, kind of feels like that's going to get split up before we could ever see it. But it doesn't mean that there isn't uh, really good potential coming back next year, especially when you got some of those young guys that seem like they're very, very talented entering into the starting lineup. But Greg, you made a good point earlier. We need to mention this. Subscribe to Blue White Illustrated right now. BlueWhiteIllustrated.com is 10 bucks until next season. So you get insider access through the end of the season, recruiting, uh, National Signing Day, Transfer Portal, everything that we hear with all of the ears that we have to the ground. Uh, you get that information in the Lions End message form and, of course, in premium articles. Ten bucks for the next uh, however many months that is. I'm not doing the math right now because I need to tell you about another thing, which is please like the video. Make sure you share this with your friends. Uh, the BWI Daily Edition is a one of the best Penn State football podcasts and YouTube shows out there. It is the most active Nobody else is coming to you five days a week with conversation, insight, and talk about Penn State football and sports. So make sure you like the video and subscribe. We are agonizingly close to 9,000 followers on the channel. By the time you see this video, I'm hoping we're there uh, because, of course, we got practice coming up tonight and we got more information from James Franklin on the way. You don't want to miss any of that. So subscribe to the channel. Um, what are the other things that stood out from yesterday's press conference that, you know, are on your mind today and throughout the week that we've seen so far. Yeah, you know, T. Frank, obviously it's hard to get past the offensive line stuff. That was really the big key takeaway, even though we only learned specifics about one issue. They're hopeful to have Caden Wallace back. What does that mean? Excuse me. We'll see. You know, they've talked about guys hopefully coming back uh, before and then it hasn't worked out. So, you know, I would put him, this is my words, not anybody else's, but he seems like he's in the game time decision category. Uh, Olu Fashanu was, was categorized as more of a week to week situation. So I don't know what that means, but it certainly is a different word than hopeful that he'll be back this week or a phrase rather. So right. um, time's going to tell there. We'll see. But you know, those things stood out, but ultimately, um, you know, I look back at <clears throat> yesterday's news conference and James Franklin was asked some questions about signature wins and what they mean and the value of them. And, you know, again, you want to be able to do both is what he got into, which was you want the signature wins, the wins over Ohio State and Michigan in Penn State's case. But you need to do it consistently, too. If you just get one, it's not that big of a deal. I look at what Mike Loxley said yesterday when he spoke to reporters on Tuesday uh, during his news conference. And I don't know if he was asked if this was a rivalry game or if he just brought it up himself. I haven't seen the video, but he said, no, it's not a rivalry game. we got to win more if we want it to be that. And obviously Maryland is 41 three and one I believe it is against uh, Penn State all time so two of those wins coming in the last uh, nine years of course but yeah you know ultimately that was kind of the takeaway for me I think Penn State feels good about where it's at right now overall but you know again there are key questions and injury conversations that are being had on both sides of the ball and 
you know, until you get to game day this time of year, you might not know all the situations you need to solve. You might have an idea, but you know, if a guy's close and needs to go through warmups or what have you to see if he's ready to play, then you're not going to have those answers until a little before kickoff. So, you know, that's where things are at this point. I think Penn State feels confident going into this week. I believe it was the first press conference T. Frank in a month, maybe more, without a Drew Aller, Sean Clifford question. So there was that. <laughs> um, that that's notable. Um, which I thought was interesting, but yeah, you know, all told pretty, uh, pretty cut and dry news conference yesterday. The injury stuff is the biggest highlight and, you know, ultimately Penn state just got to keep preparing whoever it has available to be ready to be available to play on Saturday. Is, is that well dry? Is that why? Uh, Cause I know that the, uh, the, the desire for that conversation and content has not gone away based on my interactions with the internet and with fans. So is it just like people are tired of asking and getting the same question from James Franklin? Because I know yeah, I, I think I think we might be at that point. I mean, check out the YouTube page here tonight for James Franklin's Wednesday news conference, and maybe maybe you'll get uh, your wish and we'll get a Drew Aller show on Clifford question. But you know, I just don't know. I don't think there's just there's nothing more to ask on that topic at this point. James yeah. Franklin for nine years now has been perfectly blunt in that he is going to give away as few details as humanly possible about his game plan and his personnel usage on Tuesday or Wednesday before Saturday game with an obvious reason for that to not give the other team an advantage when they're trying to set their game plan. So if you think he's going to stand there and say, yep, uh, we're going to play Drew Aller, the second series of the second quarter and the first three of the first half, you know, the second half or whatever. You know, if you think you're going to get some specific information or if you think he's going to review a quarterback change before the game, uh, neither of those things are going to happen. Yeah. Well, so we, like I said, we haven't had you on in a while. What's your thought about this season so far? What is kind of your high level takeaway from these first 10 games or so? Yeah, I mean, I think the challenging thing is when you say 10 games uh, or nine games, I guess it's been going into number 10, but, you know, a 10-win season is on the line and it feels like there is very little buzz about that fact. And, you know, I'm sure that you and Nate have discussed it on the show here, but, you know, the the four-team college football playoff is a huge part of that. And once you're out of that race, the air goes out of the balloon to a large extent. But this is a developing football team. You know, it's interesting to me that so many people thought this was going to be a gap year and that this was the year to get ready for 2023 and if you watch week in and week out you see a lot of evidence that this is a team getting ready for 2023 with a lot of young players contributing in significant ways are they always doing everything right no and do they make mistakes you bet but are they developing from week one to now i don't think there's any question and and still with all that being said this is a team that can win 10 games and go to a New Year's Six Bowl for the first yeah. time since 2019. So I just I'm a little surprised the excitement level of around this team seems to be as low as it is. Maybe that's just my perception. And I'm sure I'll be uh, told in the comments whether I'm right or wrong. But that's my yeah. biggest start right now is that if, if you went into this season thinking that it was a building year, uh, then I think you should be pretty excited about what's building and also paying close attention to how it's getting done because uh, there's a lot of it going on right now. Yeah, I don't think people, some people, I don't think they've adjusted their expectations from that building year and and wanting to throw out the season to sacrifice for next year when Penn State's getting the best of both worlds. Like, you got to see Drew Aller for 20-plus minutes against Indiana. He's gotten to play significant playing time, and I know that uh, Nate was talking about this earlier. He's played more than most of the uh, redshirt freshmen have gone on to win uh, the Heisman Trophy and been, you know, serious contenders in the college football playoff and all that. All of right. those benchmarks that Penn State fans are expecting out of Aller and Penn State in the future, he's already got more experience than all of them anyway. Right. Um, so it's just, it's a, it is, it's a very fascinating season where everyone tossed it out, or I shouldn't say everyone, 
a, a percentage of fans tossed it out because they didn't care because Sean Clifford was the quarterback. And it feels like the expectations haven't been adjusted from there. Um, and then, of course, when you lose to Ohio State and Maryland, it, you know, there is that feeling. Well, they didn't lose to Maryland yet. Michigan. I'm, I'm Michigan. Thank you. I was watching <laughs> Michigan, Maryland earlier today. And apparently, if it starts with an M, it's the same thing in my head. Um, <laughs> so, Fair speaking, of, speaking of Maryland, let's get to that. What, what are your thoughts if you've seen anything of them so far? So uh, I posted a matchup story over at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com on Wednesday morning. I mean, I don't know what you saw on the T for the film, T Frank. I only watched a little bit, certainly not as much as you, but going through the box scores and reading a whole bunch today. I mean, this game I can see. So going into this week, I heard a lot of people saying, or even this month, that Maryland was going to be the toughest opponent Penn State faced. And I kind of scoffed at it. It was like, nah, I don't think that's the case. But, you know, I, there are reasons that I see that this game could be competitive. But I got two big problems. Uh, I don't know what the health is of Talia Tagovailoa. Is he 80%, 90%, 100%? He certainly did not look at it Wisconsin last week, anywhere close to it for that matter. And I think most people were making that prediction under the assumption that Maryland would be able to score enough points to win this game. And with Rakeem Jarrett being a game-time decision, I think they have some other bumps and bruises, as everyone does on offense at this time of the year. And you combine that with what you said earlier in the show about, you know, they're an okay pass rush and they have some decent defenders, but they're not going to blow you off the ball, I don't think, or blow you away. Maybe with a makeshift offensive line, they will. We'll see. But I still feel pretty good about my hunch, but I can see why people felt that way. And, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. after four quarters on Saturday, I'll either be right or wrong. But, you know, there are some pieces there that Mike Loxley has brought in that I think could challenge Penn State. I just don't think they have enough to do it for four quarters, especially as the case if uh, Tagovailoa is not 100%. Yeah, so the magic of Talia is that he can extend plays, and he is a very dangerous quarterback when he throws on the run. Um, But it's interesting. He's gone from a very aggressive quarterback throwing the ball and pushing it down into windows downfield. This season, the offense has a very different feel about it. They're running the football more. Um, they have more talented running backs, so they're, they're emphasizing that a little bit more, taking some of the stuff off his plate, but they're still running a lot of screens. So where they took all, uh, I feel like where, where the running game took some of the play percentages was those interme- intermediate and deep passes, and he's passing up some of those decisions and some of those opportunities. I find that to be curious and interesting, and then specifically last week, they had a serious problem at center. Uh, number 51 could not snap the football. He's, he couldn't snap the football and then he couldn't block. Right. And that's a kind of a bad thing for a center T Frank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's 90% of his job. And then he's not doing you know, any of those things after the snap. So I, I, I got the sense that uh Tugavaloa was, was kind of pressing and, you know, then the decision-making of, of what to do and, you know, that, that innate instinct he had, I feel like it got a little frazzled because of the injury and because he was under constant pressure, the running backs right. do not block well in pass protection. So that's another part of that. Um, but that that's, if that team comes into happy Valley, I don't think that they can put up points, but right. I don't know that it's necessarily injury because he was still making people miss and he was still running. He was still mobile, but to me, it was more a mental thing with him. And, and that's what I saw, but like you mentioned with Mike Loxley and talking about this series, this feels like a signature win opportunity for the Terrapins. No doubt. 
And it feels like one of those moments where they're going to throw the kitchen sink at this game plan. So there's going to be stuff on film we haven't seen. And that's what I'm interested in. That and how they use their screen game. Because they throw more screens than anybody else in the Big Ten. And how that goes up against Penn State and Manny Diaz's very aggressive defense. That's going to be a big part of the, the story on Saturday to me. Um, the, the defense and you know what you've seen of them... And Penn State's offense and their banged up offensive line, you know, I, I think you you gave away what you're kind of thinking for the overall game. But are is there a matchup you've seen from the stats or something you've seen that you that concerns you when you're looking at this at this game plan? No, I wouldn't say there's something I said. You actually just hit the nail right on the head. It's not something I see that would concern me. It's something that we haven't seen that they're going to throw at Penn State in this game that is going to be potentially problematic. I think that and look, that happens every week in college football. But to your point. Penn State in this November stretch where they're going to be favored, uh, assume presumably in every single game and possibly by double digits in all of them, uh, they're going to get everyone's best shot. And especially if they continue to win, you know, now, okay, you can beat a top 15 Penn State team. Okay, you can knock off a top 12 Penn State team. Okay, you can maybe knock off a top 10 Penn State team, depending on what happens around college football and Penn State continuing to win. But no, that would be the biggest concern to me is when you're trying to prepare Drew Shelton or Vega Ione, or J.B. Nelson, or, uh, you know, someone to take more snaps at right tackle than they have previously, or left tackle, or whatever it may be, what is Maryland going to be able to throw at Penn State, whether it's Jay Sean Barham blitzing from different places, whether it's something stunt-wise or uh, misdirection-wise with their defensive linemen? I mean, what are they going to throw at Penn State that these guys just have never seen before, either because yeah. they're young or because they are – uh, you know, taking on a team that has nothing to lose at this point. I mean, Maryland's six and three. They've qualified for a bowl game. So, yeah. I mean, it's not like they have to, and, and, but, you know, they're going into uh, hostile territory and they want to upset Penn State. They want to leave with a signature win. And so that would be the concern that I see. Not that anything on tape necessarily blows me away in terms of Penn State not being able to handle it, just the idea that. You know, what are they going to throw at you on either side of the ball, whether it's you're talking about the screens and maybe some different ways of doing that to confuse the defense, you know, or is it going to be something on offense that Maryland does defensively? But I think you're going to see some things that Penn State's going to have to adjust to on the fly with some young players on the field. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So I wanted to put this up here because you make a good point. And, and part of this conversation about the final month of the season, to me, comes down to trust the uh, certain trust factor and this is something that i've been wrestling with for a good part of the season is you know we came in saying penn state needed to score points this year and if you look at the season i wanted to bring this up specifically so we could see the point totals 35 46 41 33 17 17 45 31 45 so penn state uh, more games than not has put up 30 plus points in a game but there's a couple games this year that make you feel a little uneasy in that, you know, that lost to Ohio State. There's a garbage time touchdown in there. So I've had to come to grips with kind of after the Minnesota game that I can trust this offense to put up at least 30 points. 
where are you when it comes to Penn State's offense and kind of the, the, the floor of I know going into a game that they're possible of scoring X number of points per, per time they step on the football field? So I guess I have two answers to that. One would be that this Penn State offense with Mike Yersich as constructed with either Sean Clifford or Drew Aller at helm, regardless of the offensive line situation against Maryland, should be able to score 30 points at least. I just don't see any reason for that. If you just went to Indiana, which I know is worse than Maryland, but you just went to Indiana and put up 45 on the road with your backup quarterback playing a lot of snaps, you know, you should have no issue doing that at home against a Maryland team, but you've had a lot of success against home and away over the years. But, you know, again, the fr- I go back to the first quarter of the Indiana game, T Frank, and the concerns that we saw on offense there are why people have trust factors with that yeah. being the case. I mean, it just is the fact of the matter. And if you extract, you know, that's something that they at least ended. scored a touchdown. They at least scored right. one touchdown in the first quarter last week. It was still ugly. And so, <laughs> you know, I think that the issue that people have is, okay, so sometimes they break that, that uh, mold, for lack of a better word that I can think of at the moment, mm-hmm. in the first quarter. Sometimes it takes until the second half. Sometimes it's midway through the second quarter. And so – do I trust it to score 30 points? I think so. Can it score 30 points? Absolutely. Uh, but where do those two meet in the middle? And I think we're going to find out more about this Penn State team, even though we're already nine games into the season. We're going to find out more about whether or not that's, this Penn State team can continue doing it on Saturday. I, I picked them. Uh, we'll have the picks out at bluewhiteillustrated.com today to score 35. So I clearly think it's it's something that's going to happen. But, you know, again, if they would, if they would win like the Northwestern game, 21-10 or 17-7 or 24-17 or something like that. Like, I don't think anybody would be shocked or surprised yeah. or just, you know, in utter disbelief that that happened. So, you know, I can kind of see it both ways, but I do think it'll happen. And I absolutely think they have the ability to do it. Yeah, it's just that's that's kind of the conversation I've been having in my head with myself of like each week you can see, OK, well, what if the offense struggles to run the football against the Maryland defense that got some big bodies in the middle uh, that you know, do certain things that can challenge you with a young offensive line. And that happened last week and they still scored 45 points. I I just, the evidence stacks up that they can score points. So I'm kind of trying to convince myself each week that the baseline is like what I said earlier, 30, but I understand because going all the way back to the first game of the season, when James Franklin said, I think it was either halftime or post game on television. He said, uh, inconsistent on offense. Well, that describes one player in particular at the quarterback position. And if that if that position's inconsistent, that's what you're going to get. Right. Um, this is the part that I want to get into recruiting with. Regional game, Maryland, huge recruiting bed for Penn State, a massively important area. Um, what do you expect on that end uh, this week in terms of interest in this game? And, um, you know, kind of the regionality, maybe bringing in some higher profile guys. Do you think either of those are likely? Um, I think it's possible. Look, anytime you have a 330 game, it helps. There's no doubt about it. And you also have, keep in mind, now look, it's Wednesday and we're going to get into wrestling here. A lot of my attention has been there and not on recruiting this week. So I don't want to get too far astray here. And then you all read something on bluewhiteillustrated.com or you hear from Ryan or Sean later in the week and I'm totally off base. But I think two things that jump out to me is one, uh, it's a 330 game. So it's easier for guys to get there if they want to come. And two, there are so many guys in this region with connections to both Penn State and Maryland. So that could help Penn State's chances as well. But I mean, again, I don't want to go too far down that road because I just haven't spent enough time on it this week. But what I will say is that there is an official visitor. Cameron Cameron Wallace is going to be in town. He put out that news 
on Tuesday. Ryan Snyder covered it at Blue White Illustrated. Mount Vernon, Georgia, Montgomery County prospect, six foot, 180 pound running back. Keep in mind, as I'm sure you've heard here on the daily or on the recruiting show, Penn State looking for another running back now that uh, London Montgomery uh, is recovering from that ACL injury. So I just want to pull the stats up here to make sure I have this right. Uh, so Wallace through nine games, he's, he's total 1,020 yards on 120 carries and 12 touchdowns. Um, that obviously averages out to about 10 yards a carry, which is pretty good. Uh, you know, there's worse. Yeah, you could certainly do worse. We've seen worse here at Penn State, so uh, certainly can do worse. But, yeah, he's the name, the big name to know right now. We're going to have a lot more later this week on who will be in town. But I don't think there's any question that the regionality factor and the 330 kick time factor helps Penn State get guys to a game like this. Yeah, so we will have a recruiting update on Friday on the BWI Daily Edition with Ryan Snyder. Uh, the Tuesday show was canceled for a couple of reasons, uh, so hopefully that doesn't happen too much in the future. Uh, but, you know, I was off yesterday, and there were some conflicts, so we will get you that recruiting information later in the week. But you mentioned wrestling, and that's a big thing this week was Kale Sanderson's season-opening press conference. So uh, take us through what you heard and saw from him earlier this week. It was on Monday? It was, yeah. It was Monday at Rec Hall. Of course, Penn State will be inside Rec Hall on Friday night to take on Lock Haven to open the season. Uh, you know, Kale Sanderson didn't make a ton of news, which is pretty much his, uh, pretty much uh, right up his alley in terms of uh, these news. Were you conferences. surprised he was there? I will say this. I mean, like all of Penn State's coaches, he is very good with the media. He is always almost always available. I mean, yeah, I mean, from time to time, he'll have some other responsibilities and he'll put one of his assistant coaches out. But for the most part, yeah, Kale's great with that stuff. And you know, he did all, a lot of Zooms last year. This year was in person uh, for the first time. So that was good. But, I mean, yeah, I'll just run down the news and notes of the day pretty quickly. Robbie Howard, 125-pounder who missed last season due to injury. Unfortunately, it's going to miss this season due to injury. So that means redshirt freshman Gary Steen, who was very good in high school, is going to be your starter at 125 pounds. Of course, Penn State returns four national champions and five All-Americans from last year. So there's not a whole lot of open spots. Bo Bartlett, who many of you remember from last season, drops down from 149 to fill in for Nick Lee at 141. Shane Van Ness, a very talented redshirt freshman, is going to jump into the 149 role uh, at 157. Terrell Barraclaw, who's a familiar face, is going to get first ups there. I know a lot of people thought Levi Haynes might win that job out of the gate. Sounds like Penn State still working on the best plan for him. A new rule this year, T. Frank, in college wrestling, just similar to college football, is that you can wrestle in five matches and still retain a year of eligibility. So for Penn yeah. State, it's going to have to decide what it wants to do there. Does it want to try and get him in some matches at the college level, see where he's at? He was, of course, very good competing in open competition during his senior year of high school. Didn't even wrestle as a senior year of high school in the prep level, wrestled open competition, and did very well. So I don't think there's any doubt about his ability, but the word, the phrase Kale Sanderson used was we're not going to rush anybody out there. So this could be one of those things. I think we're probably going to know more about what the plan is at the mid-semester break than we do right now. And then the other new starter, Alex Facundo, another redshirt freshman who is very talented. So, I mean, we joke about it all the time every time I join you to talk wrestling, but the rich just keep richer. They just reload every yeah. guy. You know, I'm not going to sit here and run down the accolades of all these new wrestlers because they're all long and storied and every and a who's who and a what's what. So a uh, very good outlook for Penn State. But, you know, Kale Sanderson is the master of the obvious in the best way possible. I mean, it's all about scoring points 
And the wrestler has to want to score points and want to wrestle the Penn State way. And if he does that, he's going to have success more often than not. But the coaches can only do so much to put the guys in that position, and they have to go out and do it. So we'll see if these new faces do it Friday night and moving forward. But Penn State, again, picked to win the NCAA title. No real surprise there. And have numerous favorites to repeat as NCAA champions as well. So you mentioned a couple of new starters, some redshirt freshmen. Um, Is that... It, would you describe this team as young? Because I know you mentioned having so much experience coming back, but it feels like there is a, a bit of a young and and uh, mature part of the roster. Is that a fair way? How would you describe this lineup as it is? Yeah, so yeah, so it's interesting because you have three guys who uh, you know are in their redshirt freshman season at one twenty five, one forty nine, and. 165 who are starters new for the first time in redshirt freshman but the rest of these guys have been here for a while uh, 197 pounder max dean was joking that he's seven years removed now from high school but still is an undergraduate because of, <laughs> remember he was at cornell and the, their academic schedule and athletics uh obviously were handled differently than the, the than other schools including penn state during the coronavirus pandemic so he has one uh, he's going to graduate i think he said in december I, I hate to misquote him on that but i believe he said in december so but that was funny. But no, they have a very experienced room here. And, you know, again, it, when you reload, you're always going to have an element of youth. There's no question about that. But they have enough veteran leadership, obviously, with, uh, led by Roman Bravo Young, Carter Starachi, Aaron Brooks, Max Dean, of, Kirk, of course, Greg Kirkley. That uh, They have a bunch of guys who have been there, done that before, and will be able to lead those guys every step of the way, whether it's their first rec hall match, whether it's their first Bryce Jordan Center match, or, of course, whether it's Big Ten and National, depending on who qualifies there so you know the goal as it always is is 10 all-americans and 10 national champions and that's not easy to do i think there's only been one team ever maybe that had all 10 all-americans i could be wrong on that but i think i'm right um so it's not an easy thing to do and penn state's a program that has been very successful and uh you know again has the town in the room to do it but the guy's got to want it and go out and do it so we'll see what they can do but first match friday night against lock haven um, we'll have complete coverage of blue white illustrated throughout the night and then over the weekend as well so the what do you think are the interesting parts of the lineup? Where do you think we're going to see the most either shuffling or competition for spots? What do you think is going to be the the really fascinating one to watch throughout the season? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things. So number one, obviously, Penn State wrestling fans know that 125 has been a tough weight for Penn State over the last number of years. It's just one they can't seem to quite figure out in the recruiting process for whatever reason. Guys get here and they're really highly regarded and it just doesn't work out. Injuries pop up, what have you. So fascinating to see if Steen can stop a run of what has been very up and down wrestling at 125 pounds. At 133, Roman Bravo Young, I don't think he's going to wrestle every dual meet this year. I think they're going to give some other guys, Bailey Shunk being one of them, some opportunities to wrestle and get mad time. So be interested to see how many matches he wrestles this year. Uh, you know, at 141, Bo Bartlett finally at his natural weight. A breakout season is what many expect for him. Can he do it? We'll see. Uh, obviously, the freshman, retro freshman talked about earlier. Those guys are just biting at the bit, chomping at the bit, rather, uh, to get out on the mat and get ready for their first rec hall experience and to get their college careers underway. So, I mean, in terms of lineup turnover, I guess 25 is a possibility, though I don't see 
don't see a whole lot of movement happening there unless it comes from the portal. And then again, at 157, you know, can Terrell Bearclaw take a bear claw on that job for lack of a better poor pun uh, and cliche? But can he do it or uh, will Levi Haynes move in at some point or would Joe Lee even possibly? I guess Joe Lee's at 165 now, so that's not going to happen. But, you know, would uh, would Levi Haynes move in at 157 at some point? That's really about all the question marks his team faces, of course, unless they would go into the transfer portal, which, of course, they did last year at 125 pounds uh, at mid-semester. So that's always a possibility as well. Uh, I appreciate the effort on on the on the pun. So that's all we yeah. can ask for is effort at this point. Uh, well, if there's one person out there that laughed, it's one more than uh, than I was counting on. So, uh, what else? Anything left? Uh, anything left? I didn't ask anything interesting to you that I failed to pick up on. No, I mean I think we covered a lot of it here. It's Penn State wrestling. You know, it's a it's one of those things where again, unlike football, unlike basketball, there's just not a whole lot of question marks, and there's not a whole lot to be worried about or concerned about or controversy i mean no one's sitting there saying gee i wish roman bravo young didn't come back for a sixth year i mean it's not we don't have any of those situations uh when we're talking about penn state wrestling so uh no it's just you know again i think the most fascinating thing about this this program is that it just reloads and refires but there's different storylines that pop up every year whether it's injuries whether it's issues in a certain weight class you know it's never it's almost never i shouldn't say it's never but it's almost never a perfectly smooth ride from November until March when Kale Sanderson and his team are standing in the middle of the podium at nationals as NCAA champions. Of course, as everyone knows, that's, you know, there have been hiccups in the past and things like that. So there's always something interesting to follow, always something for fans to maybe worry about or discuss and debate. But right now I think everything is set and we'll have those conversations as the season gets rolling. Greg Pickle, Blue White Illustrated, our intrepid reporter. All reporters, I feel like, are intrepid, but he is the most intrepid of the reporters, covering everything, recruiting, basketball, football, hockey. I'm just adding all these things to your list, by the way. So just, Okay, great. You're, yeah, you're, just you're pile it on, T, Frank. My plate is uh, ready to be piled on, yes. <laughs> so we'll we'll be back with BWI Daily Edition. That's coming up uh, tomorrow, our official preview of Maryland. Fitz, hopefully, is feeling better today and, or tomorrow. And, uh, you know, Nate will be back as well. So we'll have the Daily coming up for you tomorrow, getting you prepared for the weekend. And, of course, we got Best Bets coming up on Friday with Ryan. Our discussion, my look at the game coming up Friday as well. All that here on the BWI Daily Edition. If you're listening on the podcast version, please download, rate, review, subscribe, all those great things. Apple Podcasts, if you give the review, that helps us out. Even if you just want to put one word in five stars, it's super helpful. Let's other people know that the BWI Daily Edition exists. And uh, we get to do this more. We get to I get Maybe someday, Greg, I'll get a staff. There That'd you go. Yeah. Get an editor. Uh those so you can dream you know you can dream got but to, until buddy. then <laughs> but until then, the stars if you don't shoot for him exactly exactly until then though uh we'll keep chugging along doing everything at the highest possible level that anyone on youtube does anywhere bwi daily edition returning tomorrow we'll talk to you then madness is here say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit 
FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.